Welcome to Health Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast. There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends, but who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef. Today, we're bringing you two experts to cover our topic, potty problems. This has been a growing issue for many school-aged children and their parents. I'd like to welcome our experts. First, we have Clinical Director of the Behavioral GI Program, Dr. Catherine Lemperic, and Pediatric Urology Certified Nurse Practitioner, Kimberly Slocum. But before we get started, please remember this is for informational purposes only and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. Thank you guys so much for being here. Mm -hmm. If you can just uh, introduce yourself to our viewers. Sure. So I'm Dr. Lynn Perrick. I'm a pediatric psychologist and the clinical director of the behavioral GI program. So I see kids with a lot of toileting difficulties, specifically constipation, um, but urinary incontinence kind of goes along with that. Um, and I really focus on any part of the GI tract. So I help kids with functional vomiting disorders um, and a lot of abdominal pain and coping with chronic GI ish issues and illnesses like inflammatory bowel disease. Great. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kim Slocum. Um, I'm one of the pediatric nurse practitioners in the Pediatric Incontinence Center. Um, I take care of children with urinary incontinence, um, both daytime and nighttime, uh, as well as any sort of uh, urinary tract issues that they may have, urgency, frequency, incontinence, um, infections, anything like that. Great, thank you guys so much. So reasons for incontinence and all these potty problems, they mm -hmm. range from everything from simple to complex, so we have a lot to cover. Um, first, I want to talk about, when we talk about potty accidents or potty problems, as parents, we think our children will outgrow it. Mm -hmm. um, at what age does this actually become a diagnosis? Mm -hmm. So um, from a constipation standpoint, for the technical term is incopresis, okay. um, which is pooping uh, incontinence. Okay. Um, and the diagnostic age is at four, so okay. that we expect uh, kids to be generally continent by the age of four with still occasional accidents, I but see. not frequent accidents. Okay. And then uh, turns out yeah. yeah. urinary goes about the same timeline. Normally around four or five, we expect to see them you know, incontinent with their urine. And then as far as nighttime goes, yeah. um, it's a little bit later. Uh, we generally see around the age of eight or nine. It's not even technically a diagnosis until the age of six um, oh, wow. that it's considered an issue. Mm -hmm. So we For nighttime, it's correct. Six, for I nighttime. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Daytime, the official diagnosis of aneurysis is five. Oh, okay. Also a little bit so later. So it varies too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is this like a heredit hereditary thing or could it be? Can be. Yeah. It can be? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Great. And uh, now when does something like bedwetting? signal a serious issue because I know a lot of people going through potty training, it could take a little longer, especially yeah. for boys versus mm -hmm. girls. Mm -hmm. One is it a problem? Yeah, so boys are more likely to wet the bed than girls. Girls are more likely to be incontinent during the day. Mm -hmm. um, when it tends to be a problem is when a child has been dry for a significant period of time, typically around six months, and then they begin wetting again. Um, I don't want to say it's necessarily a problem, but that's when we go looking to make sure that there's not something else going on that may be causing the wedding. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, now when we know a lot of these problems are uh, due to holding your poop or holding their pee, mm -hmm. what is behind the holding? Mm -hmm. Big question. <laughs> yes. It's, um, 
I, I think about it as the perfect storm that happens in um, usually preschool toddlerhood where um, two things that happen with your poop actually is that your poop changes. So you no longer have the mushy baby poops. You now have the more formed adult-like stool um, for many kids that can feel at least different, if not um, a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and then also around toddlerhood that you learn that you can control your bodies and you learn the wonderful word of no. And so yes. um, from a toddler mentality, two, three, four-year-olds, um, this doesn't feel comfortable. I don't like the way this feels, so I'm not gonna, and I now can control it, so I'm not going to do it. And so what happens then is that then turns into a sort of a vicious spiral where the next time that they poop, then it becomes larger and harder. Yeah. Then they really don't like the way that that feels, and then they're definitely never doing that again. So they hold it even more, and then it gets bigger and harder, wow. And, wow. and on and on you go. Sure, sure. Same thing with urine. Yeah, but actually very interesting <laughs> that you say that because we see the same thing with um, with urine incontinence, especially young girls and boys that um, get urinary tract infections because yeah. they learn that it hurts when they mm -hmm. go to the bathroom. So then they start holding, and they don't want to mm -hmm. go to the bathroom, and it leads to more and more issues. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, um, if my child's never had any potty issues, but then recently just had an accident, should I be worried? Or is this like just like an accident? When is it an accident? When is it like time to go see a doctor? Uh, so kids kids around the age between anywhere between three up until six even are are likely to have occasional accidents okay. uh, for a variety of reasons usually because um, they're kind of distracted and really focused on um, playing and, and other more enjoyable things they, yeah. they haven't fully picked up on that connection when they're bladder or their bowels are telling them, hey, I'm full, you need to pay right. attention to me. Um, they haven't 100% made that connection. And so they're bound to ignore it every once in a while. Sure, sure. And when it comes to incontinence, is it just behavioral? Not always, yeah. but a significant portion of it, I would say. Sure. Is. Well, and I would actually um, argue a little bit that it's never just behavioral or, sure. or hardly ever mm -hmm. just behavioral. Sure. Um, there's almost always a behavioral component to it, um, mm -hmm. but so what we call it functional constipation um, or functional incontinence um, is about 80 to 90 percent of all kids who are incontinent, that there's some type of behavioral component to it. Okay. But the vast majority of kids that I see are also um, either constipated or have a long history of constipation. Mm -hmm. um, and so my whole goal as a psychologist is try to help kids and help families um, learn that pooping or peeing does not have to be a painful, unpleasant experience. And I've yet to ever be successful if it's still a painful, unpleasant experience. <laughs> yeah. So if they're still constipated, um, then we're not going to be very successful. And so that's why uh, having joint treatment with both uh someone to focus on behavioral aspects as well as the medical aspects are really important. Sure. And what causes a child to wet the bed? Um, and let's talk about maybe like are there drinking restrictions that we should be making as well? So um, again, there are many things that go into to bedwetting. Oftentimes sure. it's uh, the fact that the child just needs to grow a little bit, it needs to mature a little bit, the body itself needs to mature. Um, but uh, we do ask all of our children to stop drinking about an hour to two hours before bed to try at least to eliminate that factor mm. as something. And then um, yeah. you had spoke about constipation. Constipation goes into it as well oh, with sure. the bedwetting. Um, so we always try to work on that with our kids too. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. And now, did you, you mention behavioral had eighty to ninety percent something to do um, with that, or is that? Yeah. So there's so in in. Depending on the study, about 10 to 20 percent of kids, there's no behavioral factors. It's an entirely medical condition. I see. Um, but for most kids, um, they fall into that 
that sort of cycle of this is uncomfortable and unpleasant, so therefore I'm going to take active steps to not do that. Sure. And then it, by and large, they're making it worse for themselves without knowing. Now, like facing any major life changes for a child, new school, new home, divorce, death, all of the above. Yeah, all of that can. <laughs> and we're just about to head in. into summer, so yeah. the routine. <laughs> um, well, the routine. A lot of kids um, are pooping on routine, so they mm. poop right before school, or they get home from the bus and they and they go and poop. Well, if you're no longer going to school and now you're in summertime and there's no routine, um, then that can cause. And and then also you're outside a lot more, you're sweating more. Um, anything that affects your diet can can affect it, and then sure. it, definitely anything that can cause stress yeah. um, or change your routine can okay. cause issues. Uh, I'm glad you brought up diet. That was my next question. Um, you know, I have two little children. I go to a restaurant, kids menu with all the colors and all the toys. And as soon as they look at it, it is burgers, buns, mac and cheese, tenders. How much is diet affecting our children? And what do you guys recommend our children should be eating to add more fiber in a kid's diet? That's a so, difficult question. Yeah. That's loaded. <laughs> because, yeah. Because they're very picky eaters to yes. begin with. Right. I struggle with my own child to get her to eat. She All she wants is mac and cheese all the time. Um, so it, it's always difficult. But um, for us, we always try to get, you know, as many fruits and vegetables as possible to increase that fiber intake and hopefully get things moving a little bit more. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I would say definitely focusing on the natural fibers of fruit and vegetables. Um, and along with that, making sure that they're drinking enough um, mm -hmm. and, and especially drinking during the day. Um, but in, for, for my concern, just drinking at all uh, yeah. <laughs> fluids, um, because what happens um, and what causes one of the factors of causing constipation is that your body is um, reabsorbing all of the liquids that you're drinking. So if you're not drinking enough, then um, it's absorbing too much. And then that's how you get hard stools. Mm -hmm. Okay, now with a lot of children that are constipated, because I know with constipation is one of the biggest things that I see with my kids or my, my friends' kids. Um, is this a habit? Well, I, I want to call it a habit if it's if it's just behavioral, but is this something that you need to tackle early on that can become like a, a, a habit into adulthood, or is this something that can change when you're older? Is it easier now? Absolutely. and. And it is a little bit of a, a biological habit, not something that they're doing consciously necessarily, sure. but um, the challenge with chronic constipation is that over time your bowels can expand, you become less sensitive, um, and oh. it becomes enlarged, and so that it takes more stool then to even get the sensation that you uh, need to eliminate. Wow. So it's a problem that can um, kind of exacerbate itself over time. So definitely the earlier um, that we can catch it and treat it, the better. Sure. Now, okay, besides diet, I want to talk about some treatments and solutions. Mm -hmm. um, is there lifestyle home remedies that maybe our viewers should know about um, to, to make it easier? Uh, so fruits, vegetables, and, and liquids are, are the big thing that we recommend from a constipation standpoint yeah. um, from, as regard, regarding home remedies, at least. I think the other big thing um, is to make the toileting environment uh, comfortable and relaxed. So in order to poop, um, we talk a lot about, about your muscles and uh, which muscles are necessary. You need to be relaxed. So your bottom muscles, as yeah. we refer to it with the kids, um, is, that, is that your bottom muscle, muscles need to be relaxed in order to allow the poop to come out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, by the time kids have come to see us, they um, the entire toileting environment has become really negative um, and right. that they are getting yelled at, parents are frustrated, sure. they know that the bathroom is a place that they can't do what mom wants them to do, um, and so the whole thing, and so when you're tense and tight and stressed, um, essentially you're just squeezing your bottom muscles and you're not allowing the poop to come out, and so really focusing on allowing the bathroom to be a pleasant, positive, relaxing place, which is hard because it's a porcelain 
Um, it's not the most relaxing yeah, place in the, yeah. Yeah, put toys for them or something. But like, mm-hmm. as I've heard about like the squatting position mm-hmm. even. So sometimes what I do when my daughter is really constipated, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I have no idea as a mom what to do if my daughter is telling me that she's in pain and she doesn't want to push it because she's terrified mm-hmm. of the feeling and, yeah. you know, you can relate. But so I put the stool under mm-hmm. her feet and, and I've heard, is that, is that helpful? Absolutely. To- um, so if, and, and we think about how kids fit on the toilet anyways. You've got these tiny little, tiny little butts. Yes. That, that, that <laughs> what they're doing is they're kind of doing this balancing act that, right. that what they're doing is they, they're engaging all of those muscles that are supposed to be relaxed and just trying to balance and not fall in. Sure. Um, so making sure that they fit on the toilet seat and then elevating their legs um, will also help to relax their, their bottom muscles. Sure. Sure. We do a lot of the same with um, our kids for urinating. And um, we actually tell our kids to use, they have like a basket that they keep in the bathroom with them where they can, you know, play on their tablet, they can blow bubbles, they can play with a pinwheel, something like that mm-hmm. to help relax them a little bit and allow all the urine to empty out of the bladder. Okay, so is could that ever um, be a negative thing to sit too long on a toilet? Like if your child's, well, especially with pooping, pushing when you're not mm-hmm. supposed to. Is that is that bad when if I have my child sitting on a toilet for a long time or is it Okay. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So a lot of uh, the gastroenterologists that I work with will say that they that they want um, to limit the time to some extent because when you're sitting um, in that environment, your muscles are also not supported. Right. And so mm-hmm. sitting there for too long um, can also cause problems in, in that regard. So. Sure, sure. Okay, and we talked about... Um, uh, frustrated parents, right? Um, as a mom, um, how do you cope and how do you support your child? What are you supposed to do? What is the response to an accident? Whether I know bedwetting is probably more common, maybe, but um, how do, how am I supposed to respond? It's very difficult because it's very easy to get frustrated, especially when it's happening time and again, and you know you want so badly for it to stop, but right. there's nothing you as a parent really can do. Unfortunately, a lot of it, you know, it's on the child. Right. Um, but, you know, it's very important to try as best you can to stay calm. Remember that the child had an accident. They're not doing it on purpose. Uh, you know, try to reassure them that, you know, we're working on this. It's going to get better. You know, make it something that you're working on as a team. You sure. know, the family, mom and dad and the child are working together, not something that the kid has to take care of themselves. Sure, sure. Very good. Very good. And I say absolutely give yourself credit for being a parent and being frustrated. Like these are... This is a messy, gross, socially undesirable problem yes. mm-hmm. that we as parents are dealing with on, you know, usually multiple times a day. Right. Um, and so it absolutely is a frustrating thing. And yet we know that frustration makes it worse. Right. Um, frustration mm-hmm. causes tension. It makes it harder for you to then uh, pee or poop. Sure. And so trying to help your own, like, you know, sort of pay attention to your own level of frustration can be really helpful. One of the things that I found um, to be helpful is to think about it as, um, something that they're still learning about. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. I also have a one-year-old. And obviously the, the expectations mm-hmm. are different, different yes. for, for the one-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, and that things that the one-year-old, so when she's, like, throwing food off of her tray, I'm kind of like, okay. Like, <laughs> she's still figuring out how to pick up food, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, now, if the three-year-old were to do that, that would not be okay, and exactly. I, would, I would get much more frustrated and much more angry. So to think about it as this is something that they're learning to do, um, regardless of their chronological age, because I think that that's what we get a lot mm-hmm. really caught up on of they're six years old. Why can't they do this already? Um, But instead think about this is something that they have not mastered yet, just like writing their name or putting their socks on or whatever other skill, you know, we can kind of hone in. I'm like, okay, they're still working on this. I'm calm with that. I can be calm with this. I think that's a very important thing that you just said that even with two kids, they could be two, three years apart, but it's completely different the way Mm -hmm. you treat that one with more stern with the older Mm -hmm. child because they should 
they should know. Um, now, so not assuming that they should know better. Right, you know, right. Just, Versus, yeah, mm-hmm. like a baby. So um, what kind of treatments for incontinence? I know this is going to be different for you mm-hmm. too, so I'll let you go first. Okay. But what kind of treatments are there? And then, of course, me as a mom, I always think side effects. Are there side effects? Mm-hmm. Are they worth it? So, I mean, there's many things we can do. Medication is always one of them, but we try to avoid that. We try to work on more uh, like toileting behaviors, how often they go during the day, when they go, how they go, all those kind of things that we try to work on first. And then, you know, we can work on medication if we get there. Oftentimes we don't even get there and we don't have to worry about it. Um, But it's something that we kind of have there on our back burner too. Um, in case we need to use it, but of course, medications have side effects. Sure. Um, and unfortunately, the the medication that is most often used, but at least in our practice, causes constipation, which can oh. then compound the issue. <laughs> so it's one of those things. Or you know, is it better to kind of give it some more time, kind of work on everything, or you know, do that and, and potentially make it worse? Sure. And I want to kind of have you elaborate a little bit about. Um, if we don't go to medication, what kind mm-hmm. of things are we telling our patients and their kids to do mm-hmm. versus, you know, you said don't drink two hours before you go to bed. Sure. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, don't eat watermelon or <laughs> tangerines. <laughs> like what kind of what kind of things are we telling this so, to do? Um, one of the big things is to, we see a lot of kids hold their urine. We talked about it like already that they hold for such a long period of time. We tell them to you know, set an alarm, get a watch that um, sets an alarm for them and reminds them to go to the bathroom on a, you know regular intervals. Oh. Um, cause it's very frustrating as a parent to continually sure. remind them and continually be told, no, I don't have to go. No, I'm not going to do it. You know? Right. So that way it puts more of that responsibility a little bit on the child as well. Um, and then to, you know, like you had said before, make sure they have a, a step stool so their feet can be flat on the floor and they're comfortable in the bathroom. They're able to, you know, empty as best as they can. Um, there are a couple of dietary things that, you know, we've found just by, um, doing you know, a little research with the child, having the child keep a, a chart of, okay, these are the days I'm wet, this is what I'm eating and drinking, this is what I'm doing, and then sometimes we can draw correlations that way that help us to, to, to try to change it. Great. Mm-hmm. And um, I lost my question to you. I'll have you, and I'll go back to you. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, so the question being treatments, yes, right, for treatments, constipation yeah. um, and, and encopresis or, or fecal soiling. Um, so I think about it a little bit as, as the hierarchy of prerequisites. So the first thing is to manage the constipation from a, um, from a medication standpoint, actually, that usually mm-hmm. medications are, are actually one of the first things that are, are used. And oftentimes that, that can be helpful in that they never end up coming to see me. Oh, okay. um, that once they realize that pooping doesn't have to be painful and unpleasant, then sure. they're okay. Sure. Um, and so either dealing with that from a medication standpoint or dietary and, and lifestyle changes, um, along with the medications um, backing off in terms of pressure. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you've got really young kids, usually the first thing is just quit pressuring them, let them kind of, the pooping is the most priority, and then where they poop, uh, we'll worry about that yeah. that later. Okay. Um, and then once we've got that under control, that they're having uh, daily bowel movements um, that are really nice and soft in consistency, um, oftentimes even mushier than than adults would probably prefer okay. um, because they're Good more to sensitive okay. to it. So um, a lot of times the key is applesauce consistency, which is, yeah, yeah. most of us would probably prefer not to have applesauce consistency. Yeah. But yeah. for kids, um, that feels more comfortable for them. Uh, so once that's happening, then it's about helping them to um, associate the bathroom with a relaxing, comfortable place. So the goal would be getting them to sit on the toilet and be nice and calm and, and comfortably relaxed sitting on the toilet. Sure. Um, and then once they're successfully doing that, then it's about pairing that with when are they most likely 
likely to poop. And so kids um, and, and all of us actually tend to poop after meals. Um, that's when our body most likely wants to poop. And so having um, scheduled sittings, uh, usually after breakfast, lunch, and or dinner, um, depending on what their body is currently doing. So we'll also have them monitor and see um, what is their body currently doing mm -hmm. uh, and then try to schedule the sittings based on what their body is, is kind of telling us. Now, for adults, we have like Miralax, we have all the stuff over the counter. Mm -hmm. are, are there over the counter meds for children, or does this need to be like a, you need to see a specialist and it needs to be a prescription? Um, I would definitely recommend talking to your pediatrician or gastroenterologist sure. about it. Uh, you can buy medications over the counter, um, so you don't technically need a, a prescription for it. Um, okay. but, but yeah, I would just talk. Okay, that's great. Mm -hmm. Great. And um, I remembered my question to you. Um, <laughs> If someone's having issues with their child bedwetting, mm -hmm. um, is it okay, normal, good to wake them up to go? We recommend against it. Against um, it. Yeah, actually waking your child at night can, you know, obviously will make them more tired because they're not getting the sleep that they should. And then when they'll fall into a deeper sleep and they have a higher risk of then wetting the bed even more because they're going to be so exhausted. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if my child is having issues and it's time to see a doctor, can you explain to me what my initial appointment will be with my child? I'll start mm -hmm. with you first. Yeah. So for with me as the psychologist, I get the benefit of um, I'm not a touching doctor. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about poop. Um, I'm going to ask lots of questions about uh, about the behavioral mechanisms <clears throat> of toileting, how often they're pooping, um, what does it look like. We're going to show them poop charts, the Bristol mm -hmm. stool chart, okay. if you guys want to look it up. Uh, so what does that call? Yeah. Say that again. So the Bristol stool chart. The um, Bristol, from Bristol stool chart. Yeah. Very good. We yeah. use that too. I yeah. love that. <laughs> um, I'm like, did you know that there's a chart that describes all of people's poops. Oh, that's um, great. No, the, the really nice thing about it, though, is that um, it describes it in a way that there's different um, different categories and different numbers. So you can have a type 1 or a type uh, 7. And so instead of kids having to describe it then, they can just say, I have a type 3. Oh, so they just look at the picture. Yeah. That's or they can just point. Exactly. Um, so we'll talk about what, what type of poop they have um, and uh, what kind of strategies that they tried in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also ask a lot about other they are more than just their pooping problems. And so we'll right. ask about family dynamics, um, what kids like to do for fun. A lot of it is seeing if there's any other factors that could be getting in the way or that we could actually use. Um, so making sure to know who all who all is caretaking. Um, you know, if they're going to daycare, that's going to change kind of some of the recommendations that we have. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of things they like to do for fun can be great um, ideas for rewards that we can use for behavior planning. So are there uh, any questions as a mom that if I'm uh, noticing uh, soiled underwear after school or anything like that for my, let's say, a six-year-old or seven-year-old, are there questions that I should be asking to kind of figure out what's going on if it's never happened before? Um, what, kind of, what are the right questions to ask your child? Yeah, um, a lot of times... If there's soiled underwear, it'd be more of what we call streaks, like just a small amount right. um, in the underwear. And, and typically that means that they're holding and the streaks are kind of leakage that are around a bigger mass. Um, and so one of the bigger things is to start to track when your child is actually having bigger, larger bowel movements in the toilet and what those look like. Okay. Um, Again, you could look up the Bristol stool chart and, and see yeah. what consistency I, I it is. Um, and so actually for, for kids that we see having um, type four, so if you guys are all now, there's going to be a whole bunch of people Googling this Bristol type stool seven, chart. Type four. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, so type four is considered like the most ideal for adults, um, but kids with constipation issues, we're actually looking for even type five or six. Five or six. 
Mm-hmm. I will look this up. Thank you. Yeah. And then, Kim, how about you? Uh, initial appointment. Yeah. So it, it really depends on what the diagnosis is. Um, our job, first and foremost, is to rule out that there's anything else medical going on. So depending on what the child is coming to be seen for, we may need to do an ultrasound or an x-ray, um, a urine test, something like that. So they may have those um, studies done before they come to see us. And then most of our appointment is you know, the same as Dr. Lynn Parrick's. They, you know, it's a conversation. Um, it's really not something that kids want to talk about. It's not something it's, that they you know, want anyone else to know about. Um, so sometimes it's really hard to pull that information, but it's important to you know, really try to sit down with the child and try to make them and the family as comfortable as possible because that's when you're going to get the best results. Sure. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, there is an exam on my end. Um, you know, <laughs> we do make sure that anatomically there's not anything wrong with the child that could right. potentially be the cause. Well, and I will add that if I'm, <clears throat> if just in talking with the parents, I'm concerned that there's constipation, mm-hmm. they still have to see one of my colleagues and get an exam. It's sure. just not me who's doing it. <laughs> it's not you, but it's usually you but, paired up with someone else that has to do the exam. Exactly. So um, the exam is is typically um, either a, re- a digital rectal exam um, or I, I joke that they have the magic touch that they can feel their bellies and see if there's poop mm-hmm. in there or not. Or, or those can also be an x-ray. Now you said digital rectal exam. Please explain. So um, <laughs> should I ask? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to scare anybody know. away, but what is um, a digital at, at times, mm-hmm. um, and this is up to the physician to determine when this is appropriate and when it's not. So it's not a guarantee and it wouldn't happen at, at all visits. Um, but it was when they take their digit um, or their fingers and, oh, okay. and place it up the child's rectum. Okay. You said digital. I thought there. of a computer. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> These digits. <laughs> These digits. Okay, good. All right. Well, I actually am getting a lot of live questions, so I'm going to put my okay. glasses on. I'm going to start asking these questions, and whoever wants to answer can jump right in. Sure. Um, I have Jennifer. Um, I have three children, and all three have nighttime issues in pull-ups, and my youngest, who will be five next month, still barely goes on a toilet, doesn't recognize the sensation to go. They all have various mental health issues, including ADHD, PTSD, and ODD. So who's going to answer that one? And if you can explain what ODD is. So o- I, can, I can take that part on. Okay. Um, ODD is oppositional defiant disorder. So um, kids who have um, oppositional defiant disorder have a hard time following any commands or, or any direction. Um, and it's usually if, if I tell you to, to do this, you're going to do the opposite. opposite. Um, and and one of, that especially can make it really difficult for toilet training in general because this is hard for any kid to follow through on um, and for any kid to kind of you know, we're going to be giving them a lot of commands that they are not comfortable with and don't want to do. Sure. So it's going to be extra complicated if they're not following through on simple commands and commands that don't provide anxiety. Um, it's going to make this more difficult. And not knowing the sensation when to go. So what do you do with that? So um, from our standpoint, that you know, it would be best to to have the child be seen. Make sure that there's not something else going on. Make sure that. Um, we may need to do further testing to make sure that they are able to actually have sensation down there. They're able to feel what's going on, and then that way we can then help you know guide them to sure. to be dry. Sure. And some of the, mm-hmm. again, some of these um, answers to our viewers will not just be black and white. There seems to be mm-hmm. a lot of gray, so mm-hmm. that's that's okay. Um, and then I have Kate. What options are available for children with chronic constipation from medically needing to be on a high calorie diet, other than Marilax? I haven't heard a lot of good things about Marilax. Miralax gets a really bad rap, um, and uh, without without getting too much into it, it is one of the most commonly used medications, um, sort of both within our GI department here, but also nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, despite its bad rap, I, I think uh, it's most physicians uh, will consider it 
really safe for kids. There are alternatives. Um, and, and I think it's fair to start with lifestyle um, recommendations focusing on increasing fiber, increasing fluid in your diet first, I think is, is a very reasonable first step. Now, Marilax, is that, um, do they have Marilax for kids or is that the same Marilax that you get for adults? It's just different dosage. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. And then uh, Jody, my son turned three in March. He is pee trained during day, even tells us when he has to go. Uh, Don't even need to tell him to go, but pooping, we have no luck. He poops his pants and then he comes to me and says, I pooped, need changed, not sure what else to try. He's refusing to sit on the potty to poop and don't know what else to try. Again, it's them knowing how to say no is uh, could, could be you know a challenge could for parents. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah. I think the first thing is to figure out um, what what do his poops look like? What do they feel like to him? Because um, if it's something that feels uncomfortable, it's going to be much more difficult for him to go. Sure. Um, and so making sure that we can get his poops as soft and consistent as possible. And then helping him. And, and sometimes with boys, it can be more difficult because they transition to standing while they're peeing. And so so they're not even used to sitting right. on the toilet. And so helping him to just become comfortable sitting on the toilet, um, sort of having daily sitting practices um, after meals especially. And so the goal initially is that you sit for a couple minutes, we read a book, life is good, and then you're done. And it's like, oh, that was easy. That was nice and like no big deal. And then um, typically what will happen is they'll be so relaxed that eventually if their poop is soft enough, something will just kind of naturally happen. And they'll have this look like, huh. And then you're like, oh, that was no big big deal. Like that was pretty easy. And then eventually then they start to make that connection of when I feel this, then I do that. This is what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, And I have Angie. My son is three. He has chronic constipation, which is treated with Marilax and mineral oil. We think the constipation is due to um, holding, as he has been tested for milk allergies, celiac disease, with no uh, nothing available. He's perfect at not pooping his pants, but pee he has a problem with. We've tried to make him go 30 minutes after he eats. He's very headstrong. Sometimes he will pee on the floor. Sometimes I feel it's totally intentional. And I feel he doesn't even realize it. We've totally um, abandoned pull-ups besides sleeping at night. He keeps his underwear on as he likes being naked all the time. <laughs> and we thought he was intentionally peeing to get his clothes off. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> um, he, he's three at this point, I believe you said, right? Yes. I, honestly, I would wait. Um, you know, three is a little young at this point to, to really be doing, you know, a bunch of testing or doing anything like that to figure out what may be the issue. He is likely still learning. You know, he's still learning how his body's working, learning what that sensation is. Um, I, I would give him some more time before okay. really trying to do anything. And unfortunately, you know, if he's, if he's truly constipated, um, depending on how well the medications are working, that may be part of the cause too. Sure. Um, cause that can irritate the bladder a little bit and, and cause incontinence. So um, it sounds like there may be like a, a line between potty training and, um, you know, uh, incontinence issues. Mm-hmm. So the age mm-hmm. for, for boys is usually a little bit older than girls. Is that right? Do boys, are, is it harder for boys with potty training versus girls? Because I've always heard that. I don't right. know if it's a myth. I have two girls. Technically, they say they it say. is a little <laughs> bit harder for boys than it is for girls. Okay. Um, but generally, the, the age at which they should be potty trained, you know, it's still around age four or five-ish, okay. or both. And, and mm-hmm. I think the challenge thing that my heart goes out to all parents of three-year-olds because, um, and, and even two-year-olds, because um, a lot of the preschool preschools around here um, and nationally don't allow kids mm-hmm. to enter preschool until they're potty trained. 
Yes. And so this is where yes. you get that conundrum of it's not technically an issue from our standpoint, right. but it is starting to impact their ability mm -hmm. to be with their peers. I see. Um, and parents feel pressured. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. right. And you should not be pressured. They should, this is natural. Exactly. Natural. And, and because pressuring makes it worse. Right. And so you're kind of in this catch-22 of parents are looking at, at the calendar and being like, okay, we've got two months to accomplish this. Yeah. But, um, but I know that the more pressure I put on them, the worse it's going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. Um, and I have jo uh, Joellen. Uh, do you have tips on potty training on special needs children? Oh, that's your forte. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a difficult question because um, you know special needs can mean a variety mm -hmm. of things. So it really depends on that individual child. Because I mean, no matter what, every child is different. Um, but especially, you know, a special needs child is takes a little bit more care. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think the um, the big thing and the advice that I have for all parents is to meet the kid where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, and so forget about their chronological age and, and sometimes even forget about the developmental age for, uh, to focus instead on this is where they're at from a toileting perspective. Mm -hmm. And so if they're not noticing it um, at all, that's where we're going to start. If they can do it sometimes but not other times, that's where we're going to start. Sure. And sure. so really kind of yeah. Great. Thank you. And then I have Ashley. How do you know when your child is ready to potty train? My daughter is 18 months old, months old and will let us know when she's pooping and her pull-up. She'll sit up on the potty sometimes or she'll just take her uh, pull-up off. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 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 I think that there's a wide range of it depends on how, um, how assertive you want to be as a parent. Um, the... The big thing is when when they can start to notice um, when they have a way of verbalizing it. Um, so actually, this kind of goes to the last question of special needs: is that sure. they need to have some way of letting you know, either verbally um, or sometimes, you know, at, at eighteen months they may not be talking. So um, there are kids that can sign and say that I have to go potty. Sure. Um, it definitely helps if they're able to pull down their pants mm -hmm. um, and that they can do that independently. Um, so those are some some readiness signs. Um, oftentimes they'll say to wait until after two, um, and and definitely in the the beginning for for most kids the first several months are gonna it's um, and I definitely experienced this with our daughter that we're like why did we do this um because it's a lot easier to have them in diapers um, yeah. at first um and so it's about do we want to because their bladders are also and are also really small at that right. stage so right. you're going to be running to the bathroom a lot sure sure thing can I sorry, interject yeah, like just from a, yeah. a bladder standpoint, we find uh, that the children that uh, that are potty trained younger and that are kind of pushed into it by the parent rather than them truly being ready end up having more issues later on in life. I don't know if you mm -hmm. if you guys see the same, but we see end up seeing those children back later for they're having a lot of urgency, frequency. They have the recurrent UTIs, those kind of things. Um, so I you know I would agree. We always recommend waiting until. They're later, even like two and a half, three, till the, the child's really voicing that, you know, I'm ready, I want to go on the potty, those kind of things. So going, or potty training early is not necessarily a great thing. Not necessarily. Now, not every child, obviously, sure. that potty trains early is going to have issues, but um, quite a few of the ones that we see later on, you know, when school age, um, are ones that potty trained early. Very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Margaret wants to know, my little one will pee in the potty during the day, no accidents, but will not poop. I'm nervous to let her not wear a diaper overnight because she has poop every morning in the diaper. So do we have anything for that? Yeah, um, I'm curious about how old she is also. But um, I, the transition, um, I'm going to speak about the transition to diapers versus underwear um, because a lot of parents and, and for some kids, I think it might make a difference that you put them in underwear and then they're, and 
they're more likely to go. For a lot of the kids that we see, it does not matter. And so it becomes more of a laundry issue. And do, do you prefer to throw out diapers and spend your money that way? Or do you prefer to wash underwear, um, underwear. And, yeah, and yeah. potentially throw out underwear that way? Right. Um, and so my general rule of thumb is, is at least 50% of the time they should be having either dry um, a pull-up at night or dry underwear um, in order to make that transition. Great. Thank you. Uh, Mal wants to know, my six-year-old son had a tumor in the lower part of his spine, which affected his bowel and bladder, uh, leaving him incontinent. No sensation uh, of when he needs to go. Are there any medications that can help improve? He's going to first grade, and I'm nervous about him being teased. So uh, that's a very good question. That um, really, when there's a child who has uh, a spinal abnormality of some sort, you know, whether it's a tumor or a, you know, they were born that way, spina bifida, something like that. Um, it, it really is medical management. Um, I would really recommend that they either speak with their pediatrician or urologist to talk about that. Um, unfortunately, if he doesn't have the sensation from the, the spinal tumor, it's unlikely that he's going to be able to be fully continent without the use of a catheter or something like that. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Great. And then um, I have Christy. My daughter's constantly uh, withholding poop. She waits three to four days and ends up with poop trying to come out in the underwear, and she refuses <laughs> to go. Thank you for these tips uh, to try. Do you have a recommendation on the amount of Marilax to give children, or is there anything else you would recommend? Um, so no, I'm not, I'm not gonna actually going to answer that question because that's. Um, I think it's really based on on the child, and, and I would definitely encourage you to talk to your pediatrician or um, one of our gastroenterologists. Um, but I, I do want to speak out to the fact that thank you for sharing because um, this is much more of a common issue than people realize and appreciate, and it can be extremely um, isolating because yeah. of the shame that goes along with it. Sure. Um, and that I get so many parents that come to me and, and have that exact, like word for word, that exact um, concern. And, and struggle, and and then the next sentence would be, "Am I the only one that's going through this?" Um, because we don't, you know, it's not something that's very easily talked about. Sure, sure. And of course, depending on the age and everything like that for medications as well. Mm -hmm. um, I just have a comment from Ria. She said, "My son withholds. We're, uh, we're starting the toileting, toileting clinic in a few weeks, and I cannot wait." Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to meeting you. And uh, Lindsay <laughs> wants to know: Can general anxiety make the child hold back on going to poop? He's not afraid of the toilet at all. So there is absolutely a um, relationship between anxiety and um, constipation, uh, and we have some kids who are um, just kind of have anxious temperaments in general, right. um, and and then that results in in constipation. And we have got other kids who are very carefree in in other parts of their life, but then when it comes to this one specific, you can almost think about it like a specific phobia sure. when it comes to pooping. Sure. Um, so general anxiety um, can affect stooling in that um, anxiety physiologically is stress, um, and stress can slow down our digestion and can result in slowed motility, which can then result in constipation. Sure, sure. And I have to say, I mean, some adults, I mean, a lot of adults mm -hmm. don't poop in public. So I think that's why I always try to yeah. explain to my kids, you know, when they don't want to poop in school or in a restaurant, that it's absolutely okay that mm -hmm. everybody does it. <laughs> you know, because sometimes, just like you said, it feels, uh -huh. yeah, it gives them anxiety. Yeah. Um, Melissa wants to know, how often should my son be urinating during the day? He will go all day at school and not pee at all. Mm -hmm. Should I be concerned? 
I wouldn't say we need to be concerned, um, but I, I would encourage him to go more often. Um, generally speaking, children should be able to go to the bathroom about every two hours, two to three, um, and they should be drinking enough fluids that they're able to go that often. Sure. So, you know, if, if he's not going that often, then you wonder if he's maybe getting a little on the dehydrated side um, or, you know, if maybe he doesn't want to use the bathroom, there's an issue that they only get so many passes to the bathroom right. or, you know, he doesn't want to miss class or something like which happens. Sure. Um, but, you know, to find a time during the day that's good for him to go. Right. You know, so right. he can go more frequently. More water. Say yeah. too, more water. My That's kids don't drink enough water. Yeah. Especially at school, it's hard to mm-hmm. um, to allow them to drink water. Yeah. Um, sometimes, if if it does become more of an issue, then we can always write letters to the school um, and can request that they be allowed to have water um, with them instead of just you know set during lunch, during snacks. Mm-hmm. So having having a water bottle here, I know I always experience when the water is in front of me, I'm going to drink so much more than when it's of behind course. me or if I have to walk yeah, to the water pump. Um, and then the other thing is uh, to potentially have like a bathroom pass or that he can go either with outside of class or to go to a private bathroom if it's mm-hmm. an issue of going in a stall with 20 other kids. Right, uh, it can be right. intimidating. So right. we can give him a private bathroom. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, Dina. My daughter isn't diagnosed with constipation, but she does not go regularly. First of all, what is regular for a child? Second of all, what can I do to keep her stool soft? So the goal is uh, one to two times a day. Um, Some kids will go um, up to three to four times a day. If you're going more than that, it's likely that you're not fully eliminating when you're going Mm -hmm. um, and just allowing a little bit out, which is a sign of withholding. Um, If you're going less than that, we'll have some kids that go every other day. Yeah. I I joke, I allow that. Um, But (laughs) but any less than that um, is definitely uh, probably a sign of constipation. So if your child is uh, not pooping regularly and going maybe two, three days or longer, you Mm -hmm. should be seeing someone then? Yes. Okay. yeah, starting with uh, either your pediatrician or the gastroenterologist. Okay, very good to know. Uh, Carl wants to know, is there a difference in uh, nighttime wetting versus daytime wetting? Is one more serious than the other? I wouldn't say that one's more serious than another. Um, it, it all kind of just depends on the underlying issue, if there is an underlying issue. Um, generally speaking, the, you know, the daytime comes sooner and then the nighttime follows. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think, you know, unless there's an underlying medical diagnosis, uh, diabetes uh, or, you know, something along those lines that may be causing the wedding either day or night, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard to say that one's necessarily right. worse than another. Sure, sure. Yeah. And when I think of like bedtime, mm-hmm. is it so much behavioral, like I just don't want to get up? Or could it be your Sometimes. muscles just not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> could be. I, I've had children who were afraid of the dark. Um, so oh. they didn't want to get out of bed to go to the bathroom because they're afraid of the dark. Sure. Um, I've had children, actually, my nephew, um, he <laughs> wears a pull-up to bed at night, and he'll be dry all night, and he just doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning when he wakes up. He'd rather lay a little bit longer, and he just pees in the pool. Um, uh, so, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. depends. You sure. know, everybody's a little bit different. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon, my grandson is three and a half. He refuses to use the potty. He says he's afraid. He won't even pee outside, which um, is why we thought we uh, would help. Mm-hmm. He has also a chronic constipation since he has an he's an infant. What are our options for helping him? Yeah, so and we see this a lot where kids will have constipation since infancy and um, they really come by this on, honestly. So essentially his entire life, this has been an uncomfortable, unpleasant experience for sure, him. Sure. Um, and, and I joke that I'm pretty sure that if all the kids, if we could pull out our magic wands and say you never had to poop again, they'd all... Yeah, like, they'd be okay they'd, with it. Uh, oh, yeah. They'd, they'd, they'd pay all of their life savings at three to, to do that. Um, 
So, I mean, so the question being um, things that, that could help. So one is making sure that the constipation is, is definitely addressed, um, that uh, we're treating that effectively. Um, and then going slow and helping him just be okay with the bathroom. Um, and so it may even start with, um, I've had kids in the most serious conditions where we just walk into the bathroom and we wash right. our hands in the bathroom because yeah. the bathroom itself becomes um, this sort of really negative place. But um, then, you know, sitting on the toilet, uh, even with your clothes on, if you if you can't sit on the toilet naked, um, yeah. to just kind of get comfortable in that space without any expectation. Sure, sure. Now, now, what do we, what do we tell uh, moms and dads, parents? Um, how do you make it okay to to go pee and go poop and to you know it's summertime people want to play and they don't want to leave their mm -hmm. friends and it's mm -hmm. recess so sometimes my child will come home and tell me that she hasn't peed all day um, because you know she's in school she's mm -hmm. so excited all the time busy. yeah mm -hmm. well, what what should I what should I tell her to to help her to understand that she absolutely has to go <laughs> without being too stern. <laughs> Um, it, it's difficult because, yes. you know, oftentimes children don't really understand it. They don't comprehend it. Um, but what I, I always try to explain to children a little bit about, you know, how the body works. You know, we, we're constantly eating and drinking throughout mm -hmm. the day, which means we're constantly, you know, making goop and pee. Sure. So we should be able to go to the bathroom, you know, multiple times throughout the day. Um, and, and as best you can and try to encourage yeah. them to go. It's it's challenging yeah. um, because especially, you know, kids get busy. They don't want to stop what they're doing. They don't mm -hmm. want to stop playing with their friends, doing their math test, sure. uh, you know, whatever they may be doing during the day. Sure. It, it's difficult. It's hard when you're not with them too, but mm -hmm. even during those times in the summertime when you are with them more, um, and to think about the times that they're sort of mentally unavailable from the bathroom. So um, traditionally, parents are pretty good about, we're about to get in the car and we're gonna be in the car ride mm -hmm. for a while, right. so everybody go to the bathroom before we get in the car. Right. Um, think about for them, being outside playing is the equivalent, the, the bathroom is just as unavailable as if they were in the car. We know it's not, but sure. mentally it sure. is. Sure. Um, we're about to watch a movie. The bathroom's probably going to be mentally unavailable to yes. them for the next hour and a half. And so yeah. it's like before we watch the movie, everybody go to the bathroom. Before we go play outside or before we get in the pool, everybody go to the bathroom. Sure. And make it like a habit so they know mm -hmm. before we sit down and eat, go use the potty or after. And it's right. helpful too, uh, you know, you had said everybody mm -hmm. go. Make sure that it's not focused on the child that you're Just having someone. an issue with. Sure. If, you know, if you have multiple children mm -hmm. or, you know, mom and dad are going to the bathroom too, let's all go together rather mm -hmm. than making it an issue for that child. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. what I try to do. So I take them to the restaurant. Before we sit down, we're all going to go potty. There's a lot of whining and I don't have to, I don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Just sit on the toilet, whatever comes out, let it come out. <laughs> but you have to. And it always does, right? That's yeah, that's yeah. the thing. They always do. It's just <laughs> yeah. not long enough, right. but whatever. <laughs> now, um, we didn't really talk a lot about UTI, so I just wanted to ask you about that. Um, is there, um, what are the causes of UTI in children? Is it common? Is it not common? When to see a doctor? So um, it's much more common in girls than it is in boys. It can happen in both. Um, most often in boys, they should be seen by uh, urologists yeah, pretty sure. much right away because it, it's, it's uncommon to happen in a boy. Um, but in girls, it, it does happen relatively frequently. Um, typically, uh, causes can be constipation. Uh, they can be holding. Um, and it, it's hard to say, you know, how often it happens. Sure. Because um, some children, they have UTIs, you know, once a year, a couple times a year. Some never have them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they definitely should at least be seen by the pediatrician. And then if it's something that's worse, sometimes a UTI can land you in the hospital, depending on how bad it gets, wow. then would need to come and see us. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Thank you. Well, you guys have been great. We're running out of time, but I wanted to give you the floor. If you have anything else you wanted to add, I know we covered a lot, though. Okay. So is there anything else you want to tell our viewers before I let you go? 
Um, just in general, <laughs> that, that you're not alone, that it may feel like you're alone because this is something that's not talked about mm -hmm. a lot. But um, this is most of my caseload, actually. Most, most of my day is spent talking <laughs> to people like you. Um, you and that as much as possible and as difficult as it is, um, having a sense of patience. Sure, sure. I would have to agree. Um, I always tell our, our patients the same thing. I spend my whole day talking about pee and poop. Um, but, you know, if, if you and have vomit. a concern. Yeah. And vomit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get vomit. Yeah. <laughs> I get the vomit part. Um, but, you know, really and truly, if you have a concern, you don't feel like, you know, you know what to do, or maybe, you know, the pediatrician has given you some ideas they haven't really worked, then, you know, you should absolutely, you know, get it checked out. Even if it's something as silly as, you know, there's nothing wrong, don't worry about yeah. it. At least you have that reassurance of, okay, everything's all right. I can keep doing what I'm doing and you know, hopefully we'll get there. And hopefully this brings awareness that you are not alone. Mm -hmm. This is normal. Everybody poops and pees. It's okay to have issues and to bring up embarrassing questions. It's not embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Great, well, thank you so much for your time today. And for more health tips and information, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic, one word. We'll see you again next time. Thank you. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.